0: Welcome to this presentation of First Baptist Church Loeb. We're glad to have you joining us today. Our mission at FBC Loeb is to bring glory to God by being disciple makers. For that purpose, we present the following resource, that it may be a blessing. Ruth chapter 2. And in case you use one of our pew Bibles, you'll find that on page 222. Last week, as we began our new series through this story, we were introduced to Naomi, whose life was turned upside down after her family left the promised land in a time of famine in search of food. And we saw that both her husband, Elimelech, and both of her sons, Malon and Kilion, died while they were living in the land of Moab, which left Naomi a widow who was utterly destitute. And as we close the first chapter, we saw that Naomi returned to Bethlehem along with her daughter-in-law named Ruth, but she is no longer the same person that she used to be. Right now Naomi is characterized by a bitterness against God for how her life has turned out, the, the suffering that she has endured over the last several years. Right? But despite that bleak outlook, we saw that Naomi and Ruth arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning Of harvest time, just in time for the food to be ready. And we were encouraged by the fact that this was just the beginning, that there was more to the story than what Naomi could understand at that particular moment in time, that God had a plan and was at work in her situation. And Now this morning we're going to begin to see that plan unfold as we are reminded of the fact that God never abandons His people. And so we're in Ruth chapter 2, and we're going to pick up beginning in verse 1. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. So, as we move into chapter two, the author begins by giving us a, a very important piece of background information. And it turns out that in the midst of everything that has happened so far, in Bethlehem, there is a man living there whose name is Boaz. And the author tells us a couple things about Boaz. First of all, we see that he is a worthy man. And that indicates that Boaz is someone who is wealthy, someone who is well-regarded in society, probably a man of significant influence. And secondly, more importantly, we also see that Boaz belongs to the clan of Elimelech. So he is a male relative of Naomi's. So contrary to what she said last week, when she told Orpah and Ruth to go back to Moab because there was no one available to fulfill the the Jewish duty of taking them in and having children to continue their husband's lineage, there actually is someone in Bethlehem who can do that, and a very eligible someone based on how he is described. But back to the story, in verse 2 Ruth realizes that if they are going to eat, then they're going to have to find food, and so she asks Naomi for permission to go out and find a field to glean in. You see, in the Old Testament law, the Lord commanded the Israelites to provide for the needs of, of widows and orphans and those who were uh, foreigners. with the opportunity to gather food in their fields at harvest time. And so as the reapers went through their fields harvesting, they were to leave the corners, the four corners of their field alone, so that, so that those who were less fortunate, could go to those areas and glean food for themselves. And also, the harvesters had one shot to go through their field at harvest. They were able to go through one time, and anything that they missed or anything that they dropped was to be left there in order for, again, the poor to come and glean from. So there is a statute in place that allows for people like Ruth and Naomi to to provide themselves with food. But at the same time, we saw last week that this story is taking place in the time of the judges, when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so whether or not anyone is actually going to follow this law is anyone's guess. And particularly since everyone is still trying to recover from a famine at this particular point, it's possible that people aren't feeling quite as generous as they would be under normal circumstances. But they at least have to try And so Ruth goes out and hopes that someone will allow her to glean in their field. Now, in the middle of verse 3, we see that Ruth begins to glean. And as she does, you aren't going to believe this, but she comes to the part of the field just so happens to come into the part of the field that belongs to Boaz. Now, some of you probably think that you already know where this is going. And you're probably right, because this isn't a mystery novel. But what's important for us to understand here is that the author has no intention for us to think that this actually just happened. He says it just happened, but that is sarcasm. This is the providence of God at work leading Ruth to where he wants her to be when he wants her to be there. And in in Ruth's experience, she may have felt like she just turned left and, and walked a little ways before the She turned right and randomly ended up in in Boaz's field. But the author wants us to see that the Lord was leading her the whole way. And this is how our lives work, isn't it? I mean, it just so happens that I was working a Disciple Now weekend in Baytown during college. And I just happened to see this really pretty girl across the room, whose name ended up being Rebecca. I just so happened to know someone who also knew this guy named Zach Belknap. And he set up a meeting between us because he thought we might work well together. I just happened to know David Milner, who just happened to know people who were on the search committee for First Baptist Loeb, and he thought we might be a good fit. And we could go on and on all day long. Every one of us has experiences where something just seems to happen in our lives, and then in retrospect we realize that this is God's providence at work. God is directing our paths to accomplish his plans. And that's exactly what's happening here. God is invisibly at work moving the pieces of this puzzle into place. And he's going to continue. He's not done moving them yet, as we'll see as we pick up again in verse 4. It says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. while Ruth just happens to be gleaning in Boaz's field, behold, what are the chances? Boaz shows up to check on the progress of the harvest in his field. Now, notice how he greets his workers. You see, in in narrative text, uh, dialogue is very important because it tells us much about what we know uh, about the characters involved, right? So last week, we came to understand who Naomi is Not primarily based on what happened to her, but but by what she said about what happened to her, right? So we came to understand that she is bitter at God for what has happened in her life. In the same way, the same goes for Ruth. Her vocal commitment to Naomi, her profession of faith in the Lord, reveals her to be a virtuous woman who is trusting in the one true God. And so here in verse 4, the first words that come out of Boaz's mouth in the story are a blessing on his workers. He says, the Lord be with you. And the the workers return a blessing back to him. And what that tells us is that while we already know that Boaz is a worthy man, he's, he's someone who is wealthy and has a great deal of influence in society, more importantly, even more importantly, he is a man who loves the Lord and is in a faithful relationship. He is a godly man right? Boaz is a true Israelite. And so Bethlehem is a small town. Everybody knows everybody. And so it doesn't take very long for Boaz to to recognize this woman who's out in his field that he doesn't know. And so he asks the guy who's supervising the work and about who this is. And the supervisor explains to him that this is the Moabite daughter-in-law of Naomi who's come back to live with her. And he explains that she came early in the morning and asked permission to glean in the fields, and that she's been hard at work all day long except for a short rest. And this impresses Boaz, which we're going to see as we pick up again, beginning in verse 8. It says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. And so as once Boaz realizes who Ruth is, he initiates a conversation with her. And first of all, he refers to her as my daughter, which is a personal term of endearment that indicates acceptance in a, a relationship. It would normally be very unexpected in a situation like this. And then he tells her to stay in his field and not to go anywhere else to glean, He tells her, follow my young women. Wherever they go, you follow right behind them. He promises her safety by making it clear that none of the men who work for him are going to harass or take advantage of her in any way. He even invites her to use his workers' own water supply instead of having to find her own. Now, all of this would be completely unexpected and entirely unnecessary on Boaz's part. According to the law, he has to offer Ruth an opportunity to glean, but that's all that he owes her. And yet, we see that he is going above and beyond to make her comfortable, as as comfortable as possible while she works. And so in light of that, we see in verse 10, all Ruth can do in response to this kindness is to fall down and thank him. And she asks him, why? Why are you doing this for me? And Boaz reveals that he knows about everything that has happened since Ruth left the land of Moab to come back with Naomi. How she has been faithful to her mother-in-law. You all know that word spreads fast in a small town, and so he knows all about her. He pronounces a blessing on her for the Lord to repay her for all that she's done. He acknowledges the fact that Ruth has turned to the Lord as her personal God. He says that you've come under his wings for refuge. And so in Boaz's mind, Ruth is not a foreigner. She's a fellow Israelite whose virtuous character deserves his assistance. And so Ruth thanks him again for this unexpected kindness toward her. But Boaz isn't done yet, but we see at midday that he invites Ruth to eat with him and the rest of his workers. He provides her with lunch. She probably didn't have anything to bring on her own. And he even invites her to share in his wine, which was, was probably a, a wine vinegar sauce that doesn't sound particularly appetizing to me, but apparently it was very refreshing when you were out working in the heat of the day. All right, and all of this is highly significant because socially speaking, Boaz is up at the very top and Ruth is literally all the way down at the bottom. And yet in every way, Boaz treats her like an equal. And so Boaz has received Ruth, he is providing for her, and and after uh, she eats, the the author tells us that Ruth eats until she's full, which is probably the first time that that had happened in some time. We see that she even has some left over. And then as she goes back into the field, Boaz tells his workers to, to pull some grain out from what they've already picked up and just drop it on the ground so that Ruth can pick it up instead of having to work so hard. Boaz has pulled out all of the stops in order to take care of Ruth. And Naomi is going to be very impressed when she sees all that Ruth has accomplished, as we'll see as we pick up one last time, beginning in verse 17. It says, So she gleaned in the field until evening, and she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. So Ruth follows Boaz's instructions and continues gleaning in his field for the rest of the day. And we see that at the end of the day, she she threshes out her grain. And the author says that she had about an ephah of barley. Now, we don't know exactly how much an ephah was. There have been various suggestions that have been made that go up to as high as 35 pounds. uh, But nobody knows for sure. The main point is that this is a substantial amount. Ruth didn't just get a a to-go box or a doggy bag. She has an abundant supply of food for just one day's work. And when she gets home and Naomi sees how much grain she has, she's flabbergasted and she asks, where on earth did you glean today? And and without knowing, she, she pronounces a blessing on this unidentified person who allowed her to glean in his field. And so, uh, Ruth eventually tells her that the man's name, where she gleaned for the day, is Boaz. And when Naomi hears the word, or the name, Boaz, something clicks, and everything changes. All right, she remembers that Boaz is a redeemer. He is someone who can fulfill the Jewish duty to to provide for their family. But more importantly, in the middle of verse 20, Naomi's disposition changes. There is is a shift that takes place from her being bitter and depressed to her being hopeful and thankful, and her, her faith is renewed. She says, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. So you remember that when we left off last week, Naomi was convinced that God was against her, that God had abandoned her in the midst of her suffering. But here we see that she has come to recognize that God has not forsaken her and that he is providing for her through Boaz. A little over a month ago now, we looked at Psalm 23 together. And at the end of the psalm, you'll remember that David declares, "...surely goodness and mercy." shall follow me all the days of my life. And and I mentioned that the the word we translate mercy there is actually the word for God's steadfast covenant love for his people. It also refers to his kindness to his people. And it's the very same word as here. And Naomi finally sees this for herself. Naomi has been through the valley of the shadow of death. But now she sees and she recognizes the fact that the Lord is proving himself faithful to her. And so she praises and gives thanks to him because his kindness has not forsaken her, it has followed her. And then finally, Ruth shares with Naomi that Boaz told her to remain with his workers for the rest of the harvest, which Naomi agrees is a good idea because her safety could only be guaranteed both as a woman and as a foreigner while she is in Boaz's field. And then the chapter closes by telling us that Ruth did continue to glean with Boaz's workers throughout the rest of the harvest, and that she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, why do you think the author would tell us what we already know, that that Ruth is living with her mother-in-law? Where else would she live at this particular point in time? Well, it's possible that the author added that little detail because that's not how things are going to continue for much longer. But you have to come back next week to find out what happens next. So in our passage this morning, light has finally broken through the darkness. Because of Boaz's kindness towards Ruth, Naomi realizes that the Lord has not forsaken her. Not only does she have a full tummy, but she also has hope for the future which we'll get to more later on. But the main point of this chapter is that God always provides for his people. God always provides for his people. And this is so important for us to grasp and hold on to, because in the dark moments of our lives, it can feel like God has abandoned us. Just as we said last week, when, when we are in the midst of suffering When we're in the midst of difficult circumstances, we can be tempted to think that God is against us. Or at the very least, that he's not paying very close attention to what's going on in our lives. The Bible promises that that is never true. And this second chapter of Ruth gives us an example, an illustration of this truth that God never leaves nor forsakes his people. The Lord may lead us through difficult times of suffering, But he will not forsake us. This truth is seen most clearly in the New Testament through the links that God goes through to save his people from their sin. The Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesians But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You see, Boaz is simply a small reflection of how God goes above and beyond to provide for those who are in need. When we had absolutely nothing to offer him, God sent his son to live, die, and rise again in our place as a sacrifice for our sins so that we can be forgiven by turning to him in faith, trusting only in what he has done to save us. Right, and Paul works out the logic and the practical implications of the gospel in Romans chapter 8. Where he says that if God was willing to do that for us, then we know he's not going to hold back anything else that we need in life either. God will meet us in our pain. He will provide for us, often in unexpected ways. And He will be at work in us and through us to accomplish His purposes, which is something that we're going to see as we continue on through the story. The testimony of countless believers throughout the ages of church history is that life is hard, but God is faithful. Life is hard, but God is faithful. And then on the other side of this, God calls us as his people to reflect his kindness to us in our relationships with one another. Right, we know that kindness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And we saw last year in the, the book of Colossians that Paul told that church in response to their salvation to put on kindness. Right, within the community of the church, we are called to bear one another's burdens, to support one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another. And we see that one of the primary ways that God provides for us through the difficult times in life is through the ministry of one another in the local church. And So just as Boaz does in our story, we should always be on the lookout for opportunities to be the answer to someone else's prayer. The fact that, that God has been so kind to us should be reflected in our relationships with one another. If we see another member struggling in some way, well, then by all means, we should pray for them. But as James makes so clear, beyond praying for them, if there's something practical that we can do to alleviate their hardship, we should jump on that opportunity. Like Boaz, we should look to be the answer to other people's prayers. The Lord's kindness to us should be reflected in our kindness to one another. Church, the good news of Ruth chapter 2 is that the Lord never forsakes his people. In his kindness, he, he provides for our needs, and he calls us to reflect his kindness to one another. And So this morning, let's entrust ourselves to God's kindness, and let's reflect that kindness to one another. Let's pray together.